Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Uh, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Uh, and when we say rate, review, subscribe, if you go in and just write like a quick review, those things help us get seen. Those things help us get passed along to other people. It's the algorithm in you know, whatever podcast uh, format you're using, whether it's Spotify or Apple or however it is you're listening, those things actually matter. So, so do one of them. Uh, yeah, of course, give you. us five stars. No, that, that would be very, we'd be very grateful of that. And we'd be very appreciative. And we're not really sure much like TikTok, how exactly the algorithm algorithms work. Exactly but, right. Um, but, but, but please do it and share the show. Tell somebody about it. It would really mean the world to us. We, we do, do really appreciate it. Um, Adam Sparks is our guest one year on the beat covering the Tennessee volunteers uh, in the interest of full disclosure. We recorded this interview on Thursday morning prior to what we are assuming is a monstrous game victory by Hendon Hooker and the volunteers on Thursday night against Ball State as a 35 point favorite. Uh, so we didn't talk a lot about the game, obviously, but Adam has Adam kind of gets this show so well. He is so savvy. He understands media so well. He understands people and coverage and markets and dynamics and uh, I just love talking with the guy. I've known him for a long time. I know you've known him for a long time. So really gr uh, grateful for him to have given us so much of his time. We talked about the maturation of the Vols uh, fan base, Danny White, the notice of allegations and reporting on all of that and, and all kinds of great stuff with him. So uh, really looking forward to the conversation today. I hope you guys are as well. Before we do any of that, however, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, by the way, sign up, NashvilleBanner.com. We'll get some news right, sent, sent right to your inbox there. Um, we are brought to you by who again? Uh, believe we are still brought to you by Jasper's. That is in fact true. And if you would like an entire meal delivered right to your tailgate, right to your house party, I I, I guess you could deliver it to your office. People if still you have house to. parties for games? Absolutely, watch parties for sure. Oh, watch parties, hundred percent. I'm thinking this is going to be like a kid and play movie or something. You know, there's no we're not talking about kegs here. We're talking, you know, we're talking about <laughs> fine elevated sports bar food that is comes from the next evolution of the sports bar, a fajita bar, folks. You didn't have that at a college house party, but you can have it now at your watch party at your house, which is sort of the same thing. Uh, so check out the menu, man. They'll deliver food right to your house. It's it's uh, right to your tailgate. I guess, again, right to your office if you want to celebrate uh, the beginning of college football. we got Preds right around the corner, Titans right around the corner. So check them out over at Jasper's Free Parking, Game Room, Sports Bar. You know, you got the sit-down dining hall. You got the, the library and the grab-and-go market. So go to Jasper's, everybody. It is truly spectacular and the next evolution of the sports bar. Before we get to Adam Sparks, and we'll we'll talk, um, we'll do some, some wrapping up and, and some recommendations a little bit later on. But it was a long conversation. But Steve, you had... You were at the 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 Nashville SC match on Wednesday evening when Hani Mukhtar scored a hat trick, and you have some interesting thoughts about the marketing strategies around Hani's MVP candidacy. Well, I, I think so. I think after last year when Hani finished second to Carlos Gill of of New England, um, and, and what was in, in my mind a coin flip between the two, and he finished a pretty distant second. Uh, I think there's some awareness of, around the club uh, that they have to promote Hani, uh, or he's not going to get the, he's not going to get the MVP. Uh, Nationals just not a big not a big enough media market. The leading contender uh, against him, which uh, is Sebastian Drusi of, of of Austin FC, which by the way 
the two clubs face each other Saturday night at Jodas Park. Uh, it's going to be spectacular. Uh, Hani scored a hat trick Wednesday night to tie Drusi for the Golden Boot at 19 goals. Drusi then, in a rain delayed uh, game, came out and scored a scored a late goal uh, that they thought was going to tie up against Portland. Um, they ended up losing that game, but two just spectacular players in the post game. Uh, Gary comes out and he mentions mentions Hani as you know as being MVP worthy and 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 the Saturday night you're going to have these two guys facing off. After that, Hani and and Dax McCarty, the the captain, come out. Now Dax had not played in the game. I mean, he came in as like a 75th minute sub, but he did not start. And everybody's like, "Well, why is Dax here?" Dax proceeded for like three minutes to set to to basically campaign for Hani, uh, and say, "Look, here's what this this guy has meant to this team. Here's what this guy has meant uh, um, on and off the field. Uh, his production, and then." Dax proceeded to frame it in terms of kind of like past great ML, uh, great past great MLS MVP seasons include, I mean, he was invoking like Thierry Henry and some other people that just came into MLS and had, had spectacular seasons. I think that's fascinating because they, they saw what happened last year. Uh, and they think clearly that, and I, and I think, I mean, Hani has now 19 goals and 11 assists. I mean, when you when you put those when you put those two together, you know Drusy has uh, one one more goal, but Mukhtar is just it's amazing. Well, it's, it's twenty thirty. It's 20. He has thirty goal contributions in under twenty four hundred minutes plays. And Tom Bogert um, tweeted this out last night. He said in his last fifty eight games, he has thirty five goals and twenty three assists. I mean, it's there's 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 not anybody else like playing like him over the last two years. And I think that they realize they got to put their thumb on the scale if they want to give him a chance to be MVP because they're, which seems, which seems common sense here, Steve. Like, I feel like that's a, a strategy that every team should deploy for every player that they're ever trying to celebrate in any sport. But in particular, if you're in a smaller market, Uh, by the way, they played 29 games, I believe this year. So that's one, that's more than one goal created per game for Hani Mukhtar this season. Yeah. It's, He's he's having he's having just an absolutely amazing season. If you haven't been out to see him, there's there's still a few home games left, and there might even it, and with the trajectory they're on, they might even get a home playoff game if they could sneak into fourth or third, uh, which they absolutely could. At least not, I mean they've, they've scored they, like eleven goals in the last three games. They're, yeah, they they're score, they're, if they high. keep scoring like this, they'll be all right. Yeah. But I mean, if you if you grew up around here and you remember the game day guys absolutely campaigning for Charles Woodson uh, to win the Heisman trophy and steal it from Peyton Manning in 1998. Uh, I mean, you know that these things are real. Now the, the MLS media ecosystem is not that big. It doesn't have that kind of national sort of thing, but I mean like the, the extra time guys, uh, which is probably the, the most listened to podcast here uh, kind of within MLS. And, and those guys are pretty influential. And those guys have been on the, the Drusy bandwagon here for a while uh, you're, they're going to have to have a push. And I think they, I think they understand that now. I hope it's not too late to get that push in. I hope, yeah. you know, the having, if, if they'd have, if the club had had a better July, yeah, that's the it, it might've, it might've helped yeah. them a little bit more and the compressed nature of the season, because they're trying to get everything in before the world cup 
means that you know this thing's not going to stretch into October. I mean, the, the, the playoffs are already going to be it, honest at that point. You you can't have a six game winless streak whenever when nothing when no other sports are happening for the team that that and be in like sixth or seventh place. Now again, they're coming on just like they did last year, and he's coming on at the right time. But football's about to start and about to suck up all the oxygen in the room, so they better put their thumb on the scale as hard as they can. And good for Dax, man. That's that's good. He. Hani Mukhtar deserves it. He, he's great. And we can show for him here on the podcast and I don't feel bad about it at all. So I'm a, season, all. T- I'm a season ticket holder. It's fine. It's all good. So um, speaking of homers, uh, the Tennessee volunteer fan. No, just kidding. Uh, Adam will actually correct the Tennessee volunteer fan in Adam Sparks house. Yes. <laughs> and I say this as a Tennessee alumni, by the way. Um, no, he his his dynamic with his whole, very, very passionate Tennessee fan wife, season ticket holder for the volunteers. But he also had a lot of misconceptions going into the job last year. We talked to him about this time last year, and he will explain all of the things that he's learned on the on the beat about Danny White, about Josh Heupel, about Dondi Plowman, about the fan base, about media coverage about Knoxville. So many good things. He's just such a smart dude, understands media in such a great way. And so uh, no more from us campaigning for Hani Mukhtar, but go Hani Mukhtar. Here was our conversation with the great and talented and awesome and amazing Adam Sparks. Welcome to the show, Adam Sparks. How are you, sir? Good to see you, my friend. I'm real good. Uh, finally, football season. This is a 24-hour, 12-month uh, job, which I have not been used to in the past. I'm football 12 months out of the year. So finally, I have something to write about that actually actually has results uh, this time of year. Shots fired, Vanderbilt basketball, Jerry Stackhouse and Tim Corbin. That's what I just heard. Uh, <laughs> no, one year on the beat, of course, you transitioned about this time last year to covering Tennessee up in Knoxville. You've been up there for about a year. So we're going to rehash and kind of uh, understand the differences between covering Vanderbilt, covering Tennessee. You've already alluded to one right there because you're only doing football. So let's let's start with uh, just now that you've got a year of perspective and now that you've been up there for a year, what what are the things you didn't expect? What are some of the misconceptions you went into the the situation with? Just sort of the general overarching differences and and, and sort of expectations that now a year later maybe you think differently about. Yeah, I mean, I had some subtle misconceptions a year ago, I think about one about the media here and one about the fan base. Um, the The media was that, uh, and this was not as much mine as as what I was told, was that this was a Homer press corps, right? And so you always hear around the conference, and I even before Vandy, I, I'd been told this, that UT is a Homer press corps, Kentucky basketball, Alabama football, uh, there's a reason why those three in particular uh, that you always hear about are Homer press corps. And, uh, and, you know, it was a little odd to me because I was kind of curious as that, if that was true. And once I got here, I already knew probably about a third to a half of the, of the, the people on the beat. So I, I didn't know them to be Homer. So I wondered where this element came from. And uh, now that I've been here a year, it's, it, it's not true or it's no more true at Tennessee, I think than, than elsewhere. Here's my theory on why, that perception is out there. There's, um, I don't know how many people are necessarily in the room, but if you look at the people in the press conference room, at the press conferences, at the road games, all that, um, you know, it's myself, it's the new Sentinel team, it's 24-7, it's VolQuest, um, it's it's the athletic when uh, Dave Oven was here, I don't think they have a, a new reporter yet. Then you have the sports animal and a couple TVs. There, there's not really a big Homer element there. Those are the primary 
media outlets that cover I, UT. I, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> the secondary outlets actually are not really Homerish either. And that's maybe the smaller papers and sites that are also in the room, right? They're there at the press conference. Awesome. They're working as hard as I am. Great. It's it's the the tertiary outlets sites. It's the Oh, General Neelands Maxims.com. You know? name, name names, Adam. Name names. <laughs> well, that's the thing is I don't even know their names because I get on social media and a new one pops up and I've never heard of it, but its headline looks like mine. That doesn't says different stuff and its photos looks like mine, my story. Um, <laughs> and it has the same billing on social and elsewhere. And sometimes my wife is pulling it up. Who's, she's a UT season ticket holder. And I'm thinking, where did you hear that? And I look at the site and I've never heard of the site. And so I guess what I'm getting at is the perception of Homerism on the UT beat, and I think the Kentucky basketball beat and the Alabama football beat is that the fan bases are so passionate that they create their own media. And which is fine. That's independent media. I'm on independent media right now talking to you guys, right? So that's fine. But there are levels, there are different kinds of independent media. But the bigger, more passionate your fan base, the more that media is extended out further and further. And so if you're out looking at the Tennessee uh, media core and you're saying that's a Homer fan base, you're not saying, or a Homer uh, media group, you're not saying that the News Sentinel is Homer. You're not saying 24-7 is Homer or whoever else. You're saying the site that's also on your phone that you're looking at is Homerish. Yeah. And there's so many of them that they just all kind of mix together. This information is real, Adam. Who is the QAnon of the UT of the UT press corps? I, I love that Same you names. went there. I, I love that you went there because I think I've already figured it out. This would be a person who's maybe their spouse is a season ticket holder. Maybe the stories walk, talk, and act and look like Adam Sparks stories. Maybe Adam Sparks is ghostwriting an entire Homer website with his <laughs> wife and no one knows. I'm I could I, do it, but because any in, a, in a, a year of marriage to a uh uh, people don't know. I, I moved from Nashville from Mount Juliet here. We got married a year ago. My my daughter went to started college a year ago. So that's when she finished high school. We got married and, and moved uh moved to Knoxville. Um so a year of living with a UT season ticket holder, rabid, sometimes violent fan, and I could go into stories about that. Um you you violent? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember if I've been on this pod or elsewhere telling the the Lane Kiffin, the night of the Lane Kiffin game, the Ole Miss game. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll get to this one quick. So, oh man, I, the, take your time. The, you, you're good. The, the Ole Miss game, right? So, uh, trash thrown on the field. A, a terrible call against UT. Tyler Barron scoops and scores. They call it back. They say Matt Corral was in the grass. He was down. That one against UT, that's a bad call. Everybody gets bad calls, but that was a bad one. Late in the game, uh, tight end Jacob Warren is reaching for a first down and fourth and long. May have gotten it, may have not. It's a 50-50 call. He didn't get it. That's fine. Uh, Lane Kiffin is stalling at the end of the game uh, about having his guys fake injuries. You know, UT fans erupt and throw trash on the field. Crazy night. Uh, you know, we all, we all know UT lost in a close one. I'm writing all that stuff all night. I get home at like two in the morning. By the way, my wife was sitting where the trash was being thrown from. And and our oldest daughter is in the student <laughs> section where the trash is getting thrown from. Um, and 
I, I get home, I think she's asleep. It's like 2 a.m. And I come in and I, I say, you know, what a crazy game. Well, first I have to check if she's awake. She's going to be asleep, right? Well, she's not. And the SEC Network is playing and she's watching this in a loop, right, all night. And I said, honey, honey, are you so awake? Good. And she's, she said, are you awake, honey? Yes, I am. Wasn't that, wasn't that a crazy game? Oh, you mean that game we got screwed in? That game? Is that the game you're talking about? The, the game we got cheated in. And she just starts rattling stuff off. She throws a pillow at me. You tell your boy Lane Kiffin and just starts rattling stuff off at two in the morning. And so the lesson there is like my mind of the past 21 years of covering college football is game's over. Here's how you analyze the game. You move on. The fan is the, this ruined my life and my night and everything else perspective. And I have now lived with that for the past year, which puts a, a different tone on how you, how you cover the team. But then she's picking up sometimes that tertiary media and looking at it and it's telling her, you know, you guys should ride in the streets over this Lane Kiffin guy and installing games and all that. And, you know, a, sec a second time. <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. And so I'm reporting, well, there was an, a 50-50 call late in the game. There was a call that went against you in the second quarter. And you, trash should not be thrown. You should be angry. But this is kind of college football. And, and no, these other tertiary sites are saying, there should be trash thrown on the field. There should be riding, all this sort of stuff. She didn't buy into that. I had to question her intently about, uh, did you throw any trash on the field? Because, um, I mean, I told her, I told her at two in the morning that night, I said, listen, we have photo galleries of all this stuff. This is all on our site. We have video. We're putting up more. I, honey, I need to know, <laughs> are you throwing trash in any of these photos? I'm not saying I would go into her system and delete that photo. Oh, I think... But if you tell me on the front end, you know, maybe something could be done. It's like uh, a Law and Order episode. I, I'm surprised that it's going to go much better for you now. Right, if right. You talk to us. I'm surprised you didn't walk into the house at 2 a.m. And she's like in a in, the room is dark and she's got a bright spotlight and she's sitting in the corner and you walk in. All of a sudden she clicks on the spotlight. It shines right onto you. And she's like, um, this reporting will not stand. <laughs> I've had, oh, I've had that one. I've had that one. Would, you, would you care to explain your objective commentary, Mr. Sparks? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, and so you, everybody's getting all this stuff and my, the reach of my story that's trying to report that balance. And she didn't buy into all that stuff. And we talked about it, but in the moment you're, you're getting all that, the stuff from the those yeah. tertiary outlets and you're getting the stuff from the primary and the secondary outlets and they all look the same in other schools. For example, at Vanderbilt, you know, there's a handful of outlets. There's, there could be as much crazy there as anywhere, but the fan base is not large enough to produce enough crazy. So you don't think it's a Homerish atmosphere because you're looking at seven outlets and Two of them are homerish and five of them are balanced. And at Tennessee, you know, tw 15, 20 years ago, there's 10 outlets and three of them are homerish. Well, now you've got those same 10 outlets. You may even have less because some newspapers don't cover it. And you've got the same, you've got still the balance coverage. You've got a couple of homerish in the room, but then you have 50 other outlets outside the room that have never met Josh Hopple that does wouldn't know, you know, Hendon Hooker, if he walked in the door, um, but they are also reporting and they seem sometimes on equal footing. And that's why it comes off as 
as a homerish beat when the primary guys and ladies are are not that at all. Now, I, I'll now, give you a misperception on the. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say that was only the first half of the answer. <laughs> A misperception on the uh, fan base is sort of tied to that, which is uh, I was warned about Vault Twitter uh, right coming in. So Vault Twitter is just going to annihilate you if you report something they don't like. I've had no problems with Vault Twitter. Vault Facebook is is a completely mm. different animal because Vault Twitter can be vile but funny. You know, it's almost. I mean, it's. You know, it's like the like your buddy in the dorm uh, in college, right? Like, I can't believe you said that, but it was funny. Uh, you know, um, Vol Facebook is, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put a caricature on it. Clean up your house, Mister Zuckerberg. That's right. That's right. I mean, Vol Facebook. I mean, like, so for example, and these these are tied together. So, like the 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 hardest I got hit uh, in coverage in the first year was uh, right after the NCAA notice of allegations came out. We were the first ones to report that. We were the first ones to have in depth all the allegations, uh, the whatever fifty something page document, all that reporting. We we were the first ones to have that. We put it out, and then everybody else jumped on after that, and uh, and that's how it goes. Um, within, I don't know, a few hours, maybe later that night, then we put out uh, a story. I put out a story sort of in depth of what could happen. Here are the penalties that could happen on the worse end. And here's maybe how they could be the lighter side of penalties based on legislation that's gone through and the new NCAA constitution, all that. Here's sort of the range of what they are. And so there are good outcomes and bad and not so uh, there are bad outcomes and not so bad outcomes in that. And we explain that in depth. And just the headline alone, uh, Vol Facebook exploded. You know, how dare you say that we could have, uh, you know, lose more scholarships? How dare you say that uh, some games could be vacated? Well, you had like dozens of players playing in games for <laughs> multiple seasons. So. It's reasonable. But we didn't say this would happen. We just explained it. I, I sort of see it as a defense attorney where you're saying, hey, the judge is probably going to go light on you, but I'm just letting you know that he, there's something in the books that said he could go harsh. Um, so we explained that, and uh, Vol Facebook just blew up. How dare we bring up any of this stuff? And and I looked at it in real time because there were three or four stories on, on Vol Facebook on these different groups um, that each said – Tennessee versus NCAA, Tennessee won, you know, uh, Tennessee, the best ever at handling NCAA investigations. Uh, there will be no penalties forthwith, you know, and just all these, it, it, you know, and so when you have that, when you have all that, that you're, that you're competing with, um, Vol Facebook does not, Vol Facebook does not discern. I think that's the best way to put it. So, so Vol Facebook is, in fact, Facebook. It's <laughs> right. what it's what we're getting is what we're getting at here. Yeah, I mean, there, obviously, there's an age thing there. There's a generational thing. There's a, a general mistrust of media there that we could go for hours and hours talking about. But yeah, I mean, Twitter gets angry, and then Twitter says, "Eh, he's got a point. I hate him, but he's got a point." Um, <laughs> Vol Facebook will just say, I hate him and he should not be employed. You know, I, I've had a number of my, the, the ones that I've gotten the most uh, comments on Vol Facebook over the past year are 
um, what gives you the right to even write this stuff? <laughs> like well, the job. I I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the First Amendment, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like or or someone's paying me to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And again, because they'll say, well, my buddy has a has a website just like yours. Uh, well, d- sure. did your buddy did your buddy have, you know, 10,000 words on the notice of allegations? I don't think he did. He just. Yeah, does, does, your, does your buddy own the Chattanooga paper? Is that who that is? Say that again. Does your, did your buddy own the Chattanooga paper? Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. Is your buddy 150 years old? <laughs> Perhaps. So anyway, that's my two that's awesome. misconceptions. It's not a Homer press corps, uh, but from the outside, it can look that way because of other outlets. And it's and vault, vault Twitter's fun. Vault Twitter can be vile, but it's 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 just college football fans. So, so important question first and a follow-up uh, is being, being a sports writer in the Eastern time zone, is that A, weird, B, bad, C, bullshit, or D, all of the above? I mean, it's, it was weird uh, for about six months. I'm used to it now. Um I mean, the good thing is, is now had I moved here and worked like this or just lived like this 10 years ago when you watched local TV news and, you know, and your clock is tuned to a certain thing that it would it would be an issue. But uh, now I look back at central time and and that's weird. Hold your tongue, sir. Easy. I know. This I is never God. Thought, this, this is God's time zone, buddy. I, I I never thought I would say that either. It's I say. I mean, yeah, it's, it's six months, and and then it's fine. I I don't even. I mean, I guess the math says that. Uh, well, I was trying to think of when the each kickoff time was, but I'm in Pittsburgh for week two, and it's, well, it. It's one extra hour for your wife to tailgate, is what it is. That's right. That's right. Or, or to complain after the game of, yeah, the, of the coverage that I wrote. The, the, uh, the, the one that we had to get through in our first year of marriage was, uh, honey, I wrote that. I know you heard that. I know Jimmy Himes was talking about that, but I wrote it. I know you saw that on college game day, but I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to get through those conversations and you think, well, she's not looking who the byline is, but it's, it's, it's fine. So the, the, the reporting around the notice of allegations brings up sort of an interesting kind of contrast here because because uh, a year ago, if that had happened to Vanderbilt, you'd have been covering a private institution versus a public institution in in Knoxville. Uh, what are some of the differences around reporting there uh, that 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 you that you experienced? Well, obviously, you've got the power of FOIA, and um, you know at Vanderbilt, FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act the records request. You couldn't do that at Vandy, obviously. Um, you could push and push and push. And sometimes they would give you a little snippet of what you were asking for, but you understood that that was through the filter of what they wanted you to see or wanted you to know. Um, you know, at Tennessee, it's a, it's a public school, so you can get whatever you ask for. And, and I will say, uh, and I may have mentioned this to you guys a year ago coming on the beat, is that I was not as in tune to FOIAs because I covered Vanderbilt for seven years. So that was not a natural reporting skill for me. It was back when I covered MTSU, but that was so many years ago. Um, I was fortunate when I came in that Blake Topmeyer, uh, my predecessor as UT beat writer, was sort of the FOIA king. 
I mean, he would foia, he would foia everything. And it, so they were, Tennessee was conditioned to that. And so, uh, you know, I sort of inherited a FOIA calendar and schedule for him. You, you request this this month, you request this until they give it to you. And, uh, and so that, that is sort of conditioned them and me uh, to go after those things. And when the notice of allegations came, uh, you know, we were, we were ready to go to go, go get the document. Is that, I mean, obviously that just increases your understanding of all the inner workings of the beat that you're on to a level that you just can't ever get at a private place. Right. I mean, that, that is, is, is it as simple as that? Uh, yeah, to some extent. I mean, I, I guess I always try to think of it as, as in their shoes. Um, if I was in charge of a public university or athletic department and I knew anything could be foiled, uh, how would I react? And I would react with quite a bit of transparency because I know they can, you know, they can find my dirty laundry. So I better just lay it out on the floor, you know? And so I think that's, um, I think that's led to a pretty good practical business relationship with the athletic department, um, with, with Danny White. Um, I mean, Danny White is very, very businesslike, um, but he he really doesn't beat around the bush to try to convince you of something that much. It's just, here's the information, you have the information, here's how we're dealing with it. Um, but, you know, but I, I think, I mean, Dondi Plowman, I've sat down with Dondi Plowman and had uh, meetings in her office, and uh, she's as savvy as a politician, I think, that this state has, if you wanted to call her that. Um, because she can, uh, she can be very like, uh, motherly Southern lady inviting. Um, and then she can be very stern business-like and you can almost see, uh, her, uh, her voice change when she goes from one to the other. And, uh, she's, she's very, very skilled in that. And she, she handled this notice of allegations, NCAA investigation. I just, I, I mean, I, she handled it really, really well because she got out in front of it and then she did enough things to sort of be ahead of the message. And knowing that we were doing number of records requests coming, uh, she knew what we would be requesting and what we would what we would eventually see. And so she got ahead of that. So th there, I mean, aside from Casey Pruitt, there wasn't an enormous amount of surprises <laughs> in the notice of allegations and uh, they knew we, we would have that. So, you know, good for them for being out in front of it. I, I, I do want to ask about Casey Pruitt in just a second, but Danny White is out there commenting right now about Alan Green, the athletic director at Auburn, which seems like a very unusual thing for an athletic director to do. You just sort of laid out how business-like he is. Uh, we've had another guest on the on the on the show who covers college football that calls him gangster, uh, and and that's how you define a good SEC athletic director. Is you got to have some of that in your game. Um, have you ever seen an AD? come to the public defense of another AD at another institution? And is that sort of one of those things that just defines Danny White and how he operates? Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have pegged him to be that guy um, because he is very calculated. And that seemed like it. I mean, I guess it was calculated. I mean, obviously, there was a personal relationship and a professional relationship there because Danny's dad also came out uh, and said some similar things. Um, but I, I mean, I think I think Danny is very confident in what he can do and what he can get away with. Uh, I mean, if you think back to UCF, 
I mean, this was a guy that was pushing his his football program to claim a national championship because I just want to, right? Because I'm just, uh, you know, and so I think if you if you see that he will do things his own way and he'll be confident in doing it. And uh, I mean, he's he's on a little bit of a winning streak right now. If you know, if if he had had to fire a, a coach or something, football program was bad. I, I wonder if he would be that way. But I mean, maybe we'll see one day. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he's he's a confident confident guy, pretty calculated. So I guess if I think of it that way, um, it wouldn't it wouldn't terribly surprising. I also think that Danny, in talking to him, Danny very much uh, sort of tries to think through why why something is the way it is, right? I mean, well, you're not supposed to tweet about another an athletic. De- athletic director at another sec well why are you not supposed to do that right you know and and i think he does question a whole lot of those things some of that is his age too i mean me and danny are about the same age um and i tend to think that is still a young athletic director and so i think some of the decorum um he sort of pushes aside and questions why, why can't i do that and i think that's probably was the case there Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jasper. It's brought to you by Jasper's, folks. Because every time Steve Cavendish on this podcast decides to yell into the microphone, the name of our sponsor, nobody can hear it. Which is always a great strategy when you're advertising for your partners and for your clients is to, you know, say the names where no one can hear it. We're going to say Jasper's about 10 more times here in this ad, so don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, I cannot wait for like just like i love mls soccer uh you know preds hockey's coming that's going to be fun but this is one of the greatest weekends of the calendar year and if you can celebrate the college football season over labor day and not have to do any cooking like don't get me wrong i love cooking on my on my grill i love cooking for the family but if i got people coming over on saturday to watch ball if i got people coming over sunday night to watch lsu florida state or if I got if I'm going to go to a game this weekend, why not just let take all of that stress, all of that anxiety out of the equation and just let someone else bring you a fajita bar? I don't my know wife, why that you wouldn't do that. My wife is out of town this weekend. Ooh, the only time I will leave the couch <laughs> and college football is, and a lot of soccer uh, is to go to the is to go to the to the National SC game on uh saturday night and to go to jaspers where i will continue to watch college football and eat. <laughs> that's it uh i i would i would like to be uh i would like to be invited to this i'm, I'm inviting myself to your solo role sure to come jaspers. on down. uh uh bring jaspers to your next tailgate watch party team meeting or special event their family style menu features a variety of elevated bar fare including salads sliders wings house-made desserts all available for pickup or delivery for groups of eight or more. Again, it'll feed about 10 to 12 people. Uh, it's not super expensive on a per person basis at all. You can pick up so much stuff. Um, it, it's fantastic. Again, fajita bar folks delivered right to your tailgate, right to your watch party, your team meeting, your special event, just jaspers.restaurant. Click on the catering up there at the top and uh, check out their menu, the family style menu. And again, they'll deliver it right to you. I, I don't, I'm not sure what else you need in a in a in a in a food service. You're getting better food than you get anywhere else. 
you take all the anxiety and stress and work out of trying to feed 10 or 12 people at a party like this. Like, I know I get super stressed about that stuff when people come over, my wife loses her mind. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it, honey. Jasper's is going to take care of it. Pretty good stuff. Go to Jasper's. Covering Vanderbilt, you were in a you were in a much smaller ecosystem. Uh, There's the, just a lot less interest in Vanderbilt than there than there is in UT. Uh, when are you? At what points are you conscious of when 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 you're writing something or when coverage is out there that uh, of the size of the UT fan base and the size of interest in UT as opposed to Vanderbilt? And how do you kind of like how how does that kind of manifest itself i sort of intentionally pay as little attention or have that thought i I intentionally keep that out of my mind as much as possible um i think that screws up coverage at least it maybe it doesn't for some people it it does for me um so and and that's sort of a i mean that's sort of a mindset built over 20 years um when i first got into the into the job like one of my first assignments was like covering Blackman high school football and Eagleville football. I remember. And I remember going out to those assignments thinking, this is what everybody is reading tomorrow. Everybody wants to read about Eagleville football. And it's, and it, that sounds ridiculous, obviously, but philosophically that made sense in my mind. Uh, this is really important. So I'm going to treat it as really important. Um, and so then once I went into covering college football and, MTSU and Vandy and UT, it still sort of had the same mindset. I'm still covering Eagleville football. And I, I, I think when people start looking at how big the audience is, uh, that can, that can be a little overwhelming and it can kind of change how you, how you cover the beat, if that makes sense. I just, I, I, I hesitate sometimes to say that I don't take this very seriously, but I really don't take this very seriously. You know, you're covering football. Um, so I don't really think that much about the reach now, now, I mean, it's funny too, is because I get, if you just think of in terms of how far the reach is, obviously the reach is more in terms of people, the reach further though, is, I mean, Vanderbilt, I would get emails and tweets from people in Australia and New Zealand. And because you think of how widespread that alumni base is. So Tennessee, most everything I get is like basically from like Atlanta to Louisville, Kentucky, and you know Memphis to the Carolinas, and so it's all condensed. Obviously, it's a huge fan base, but I, I sometimes I think of this as um, more localized because I I grew up in Tennessee, and I it's West Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, East Tennessee, and they all have, sort of have I've lived in all three now, and they all have like a little bit of their different personalities but they all have a similar tie that they all root for Tennessee in the same way. Vanderbilt actually felt like it was a whole lot wider and larger scope to me. So that, it, that's sort of how I, I, I process them. This feels a little more local to me than I think covering Vandy was. It, it's far more saturated. I mean, just, it, Knoxville as a city in terms of interest in that sport versus Nashville interest in Vanderbilt sport, it's far more saturated, of course, in Knoxville. It does sound a little bit though, like you're like the Nick Saban of reporters. You're like, every single practice is the same. Every single drill is the same. We're going to execute this, whether we're playing Bethune-Cookman or we're playing Auburn, we're going to execute this story exactly the right way. The janitors are going to sweep the floors the same way that Bryce Young throws a football. 
Adam Sparks, the, the Nick Saban of reporters. Yeah, I hate to compare anything to coaches' cliches because I, I detest coaching philosophies and cliches. <laughs> I, I think that's there's 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 a, a lot of good acting in, in coaching to come up with those things because most of those guys don't even believe it. Or sometimes I'm afraid they do believe those things, which is even scarier. Um, but I, 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 I that was my philosophy way back when, uh, just generally as a worldview. And then I found that that usually led to, uh, I mean, it helped me. Every, every promotion I've gotten along the way in my career is usually because some dude in front of me was complaining about he didn't get the, the premier assignment. And I got and uh, and I didn't really see a difference between the premier assignment and the sucky assignment. They're all the same to me. And my, my boss appreciated that. So I would leapfrog uh, that dude that spent most of his time complaining. So I, I want to talk Josh Heupel and some misconceptions about maybe the team itself. And, the, and again, how, how I think the fan base has actually matured over the last 18 months uh, through all their, their, their turmoil. Some of it obviously self-induced, but, but quickly here, more shocked by you know, more shocked and surprised you and the media throng that Casey Pruitt was involved in <laughs> for a former, um, you know, person who works in, in, um, uh, the, the whole world compliance is ex- escaping me there. Casey Pruitt or Jeremy Pruitt winning at the poker table, which one was a bigger story? Oh, uh, I mean, Casey Pruitt being in the NCAA investigation was pretty surprising in that, uh, I mean, we, we, we had talked about in the, in the UT press corps for a while, like who was the bag man when this, when this notice of allegations comes out, who's the guy that had the, the proverbial duffel bag full of cash. Who's the bag man. It ended up being a bag woman, <laughs> you know, which, which 2022 which, baby. That's right. In, inclusive cheating. <laughs> And, it, and and just and just so we're we're clear here, that woman was not your wife. Are are we sure they're not the same? Person? Oh, mine, mine. Are we are we sure they're not the same person? <laughs> Have we ever seen them in the same room together? <laughs> um, uh, all right. I mean, but yeah, yeah. That 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 surprised me the most because I I've known a number of coaches' wives. Um, yeah, that were very intent on their husband winning. Uh, never to that extent though that that we know of. So. First of all, what, what about misconceptions about Josh Heupel? Um, you, you, you know, this was a guy that was nowhere really near the state of Tennessee in any capacity, other than maybe his time at Missouri as an offensive coordinator. He's kind of down in Florida doing his own thing, and then Danny brings him in to be the head coach. Um, you come onto the beat the same time that he kind of comes onto the job. What, what were your – what did you not know about him? What did we not think about him? And, and frankly, I'm fascinated by his communication style and why it's working. I've talked to – a lot of the players about that at media days, w- what misconceptions about Josh Heupel are out there that you want to correct? I mean, the, the funny thing is there was almost no misconceptions, which I think makes him appealing. He, he very much is what he is. Um, he, he, right in public, he seems affable, can get along with anybody, very agreeable, uh, doesn't really have a harsh word to say to anybody. Um, aggressive on the field, but his personality is not that way. Extremely friendly, knows football, especially offensively back and forth. That was the bullet points on him, and every one of those are true. Um, I mean, I sat and talked with him in his office, and everything that I saw from the podium is how he is, you know, one-on-one. So I think that makes him more appealing because you know, Jeremy, it's because who came before him, Jeremy Pruitt always had this sort of odd 
you know, it was like a Nick Saban impersonation, but with like an Alabama high school kind of thing sprinkled in and you could never figure out, is this a character or, or is this really who he is? And, and I don't know which is worse. Um, Butch Jones always <laughs> had fake just dripping off of him. Uh, and Derek Dooley had just this odd parts of his personality and Josh Hopple, um, Josh Hopple seems like, Josh Hopple's the guy that would live in your neighborhood. And I think that's probably what UT needed right now. Um, now, I will say some things that did surprise me a little bit. Sometimes when you have an affable guy like that, very Midwestern sensibility, um, you think of him as a little bit limited. I mean, obviously, he's a really smart guy, uh, but you you don't th you think of him as more of a narrow personality. This is what he we see in the solid he is. But I've talked to a number of people about the program about how he uh, relates to different people. He he recruits well. He gets along with young people in a specific way. But then uh, state legislatures will come to practice sometimes on their like political day or whatever, and he'll go over and talk, uh, you know, talk legislation with them. Um, his his uh, brother in law was a, a congressman in uh, in Oklahoma, and so he's got that sort of thing that he can pull out different parts of himself and communicate with different people. Um, when you see kids come to practice, uh, you know, dad face instantly goes on. And I guess, I guess what I'm saying is um, the difference between like him and a Butch Jones, and I didn't cover Butch, but I, I knew of Butch quite a bit, is that Butch Jones would sort of put on different faces for different people. I think Josh Hopple sort of glides from one to the other uh, in, in a pretty unique way. So, uh, and you know, Here's the thing with any coaching personalities, whatever you're doing, if you're winning, that seems to be the best way to do it. And if you're losing, yeah. why is that guy like that? But right now he's, you know, he's winning and he's very, very likable on the fan base. We'll see how long that lasts. I mean, the fact that you can have Rick Barnes and Kelly Harper and Tony Vitello and Josh Hopple all in the same athletic department and they all have, you know, very high approval ratings and those four people are about as different as four personalities <laughs> as you could get. And they all sort of, they all get the approval. Well, why are they all getting a, that cut type of approval? Because all four are winning. And that's, and that's why where it's, it's, I think it's as simple as that. You, you talked a, a little bit about being on the beat 12 months out of the year. Uh, at what point in, in, a, in covering Vanderbilt, if it was a, it was a two and 10 season, or if it was, to a nine and, and, and clearly after October, it was, it was all about sort of like looking towards next year. At what point does, did you start to drift to, okay, how's basketball going to be? Okay. How's baseball going to be? And, and because, I mean, at, at various points, those were, those were really, I mean, those were really successful pro, uh, programs and, and, and had, had good seasons, particularly baseball. Uh, but that's not the case here. That's not the case here now. What, what, is that is that good is that bad to, to have it, that focus it depended on how Vanderbilt's season was going so if yeah if it was a if it was a terrible season yeah I would get to October and say thank goodness fall ball is here for baseball because I can jump over to that and everybody wants to read about baseball especially when football is terrible uh, when basketball would come that would be a help for coverage if football was competitive you know Derek Mason had a couple of bowl years I would be uh leaving the bowl game in December and say, I've got 10 stories that I, I want to write on football right now that 
following up this season, is talking about staff changes, is talking about recruiting, some trends, um, contracts, uh, profiles, uh, all these sort of things. I would have 10 stories in mind in football if they were competitive, and I would get to do two of them because I've got to run over and do basketball and then baseball not long after that. And so the difference with Tennessee is that, uh, you know, when the bowl game was over this year, I had 20 stories in mind and I did all 20 of them. And then I did 20 more and you never run out. And I mean, your, your earlier question about the, the scope of the fan base, um, it obviously is different. And I pick up on that by the fact that I can cover football 12 months out of the year because and in our network, in the USA Today network, we've got beat writers at just about every SEC school now. And it's me and maybe one other that cover football only. And it's because the fan base will eat up coverage in January and April and June. And you can churn anything out there and they will, they'll read it and they'll click on it. Um so yeah, status, status of assistance contracts in, in January, yeah. not a hot topic around, uh, around, uh, <laughs> Vanderbilt. No, but, but yeah, but yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, and, and I've done exactly those stories. I'll put out a, uh, you know, the wide receivers coach, uh, uh, retention bonus kicks in today on February 1st and, uh, 5,000 people will read that story. You know, it's like, wow, that they care that much. And then I'll do a follow-up on it. 5,000 more people will read that story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at Vandy, you sometimes would not get numbers like that for, a, you know, for a regular season game. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, but, but football, I can do it year round. So there's just, there's always content to do. I do think sometimes if I would have taken on this beat uh, when I was like mid twenties, I got offered the UT beat by multiple outlets, uh, once in my twenties and I think twice in my thirties and I turned it down each time. And had I had this job earlier in my career, I probably would have got to mid February, mid January and think, well, what do I right now? But instead I have enough, uh, you know, I have enough experience that um, yeah. I, don't, I don't run out of ideas or content in the off season. I, there's, I'm, there's a thing though in Knoxville and, and you alluded to this, that uh, there's a broadcast ecosystem that around ut that does not exist kind of here in nashville uh i mean there's a lot more talk radio about it there's very little talk radio about about vanderbilt football here if any um there's the the tv stations i mean that that is that is core coverage for them as opposed to as opposed to here where they're kind of and we talked with with some of these folks here you know they're, they're kind of actively cutting you know, the, the amount of time that, that they show up on the newscast are down to, I think, 90 seconds on one of the stations. Uh, it, how is that different competition-wise uh, than, than the stories that you're trying to do? Um, TV is not uh, as much of it because, um, I mean, TV is still little spots and one-on-one -on -one interviews and a lot of sound and a lot of video. I mean, TV... Uh, ladies and guys love to go to practice so they can get, you know, that 15 minutes of, of B-roll. I don't really care about that. Right. So I'm going more in depth and that's just the difference between uh, print and TV. Um, radio, uh, radio is competition, but it's, it's, uh, there's more, it's more complimentary. Um, I'll go on the shows here. I'll listen to shows here. I mean, a lot of my day when I'm working at home during the day, when I'm not at practice or press conferences or whatever, 
I've got on the Sports Animal or I've got on Tony Basilio. I've got any of those shows on. And sometimes I'll just pick up ideas based on hearing a caller or hearing uh, a show. Um, so it's it's more complimentary, I think, in, in radio. TV is just sort of a different animal. It, it is funny. You can you can look at the UT press corps and eat, everybody has their own lane of, you know, we are long form investigative and in, in ethic breaking news uh, to some extent. And then uh, 24-7 and VolQuest are obviously recruiting. Um, the athletic was long form when they were around uh, around here more. Um, and, and TV is just images and quick sound, and they just don't have the bandwidth to go really in depth. And then radio is, is conversation and playing off of all the other stuff that's being written. I mean, if you listen to the sports animal here, they have their own reporters and Jimmy Himes does a great job. But a lot of what they're doing is playing off of things that are written by the three or four sites that I just mentioned. It is shocking. To, what was shocking to me when I got here, and I'm not sure I'm still adjusted to it. The time zone I adjusted to the show after show after show about UT football was astonishing. I mean, it will be 12 consecutive hours of nothing <laughs> but, you know, who's going to be the third tight end this year. And it's and it's 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 really a skill that that is reset in different ways in different shows. I, I applaud the the uh, the guys and ladies that do it here because th they do it and they do it in an interesting way. But sometimes I'm thinking, uh, you know, the the last show that was on just did three hours on uh, on, you know, who's better, uh, Cedric Tillman or Alvin Harper, you know, and now you guys are going to do like, well, then who's better, Cedric Tillman or Carl Pickens? You know, <laughs> it's just, but th they do it. They reset it every like three hours, a different show. It's kind of yeah. a similar topic, but they keep churning it out. And obviously it, it works because people eat it up here. I, I, and you've been very patient with, with your time and gracious with your time. And I do want to ask you about the team a little bit at some point. Uh, we are recording this uh, before the game on Thursday against Ball State. Then it's coming out afterwards. So Depending on what happens on Thursday night, you may have a very different answer about how the fan base is acting, but I'm assuming things are going to go well. Uh, here, I, I want to know about the maturation process of this fan base because I do think they came into last season with some tempered expectations. I feel like they're sort of behaving themselves again through this season, through this summer, entering this season with some cautious optimism. It doesn't feel like Tennessee people are sort of being outlandish about the expectations for their team, which in the past was sort of a thing that happened very quickly. I think they've kind of learned a little bit about that. Um, I don't know if you see that or sense that. You certainly had it from a distance in Nashville. Do you feel like this group of fans has matured a little bit into uh, the, the like more reasonable expectations, or does that go out the window when they beat Florida and they're they're three and zero? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the good point because I, I so I had a misconception when I got here, and John Adams, their longtime columnist, he and I sort of bickered about this a little bit when I first got on the beat in some podcasts where I would say, "Hey, this fan base still thinks they can win a national title," and 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 maybe so. This the NIL era; you're in the SEC; it, it can happen at some point. But John Adams would say this, they've gotten past that. You're thinking of like eight, 10 years ago. Um, now fans are reasonable and they say, hey, I'm good with eight and four, maybe nine and three. And that's all I'll ever ask for. Um, I thought I was right at the time because I had a little bit of thinking of, I grew up watching Tennessee football in the 90s, right? And so obviously that was the perception. And then you're, I'm covering college football in the early 2000s, but I'm not watching Tennessee on a 
updated on a, a week-to-week basis. So I still have maybe that old thinking of this, the fan base still wants to comp- thinks it's Georgia, right? Um, and so I had that perception coming in. John told me that was, no, that's eight to 10 years ago. That's old thinking. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, and you touched on it. They're fine with eight and four. And I and maybe a little greedy nine and three. And I'm talking about this season. But if you ever get them to nine and three, boy, we could have been 12 and 0, right? Yep. It's just it's just a little taste, a little taste. And you know, and there's so much more there. Uh I'm thinking almost of a drug reference, but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. But that's okay. You yeah, can... I mean just yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's once it's once they fall off the wagon, it is going to be full on bender for for, for three years. And of you see hints of 12 it, right? wins. You, you see hints of it because like I, I picked eight and four this season. We got to pick each game. I picked eight and four because I think they'll lose to Alabama, Georgia. Um, and then there's five swing games in there. Pitt, Florida, South Carolina, LSU, Kentucky. I think they'll go three and two in those. Which ones? I don't know. But so that's that's eight and four. I think it's a better chance they go nine and three than seven and five. Really good offense. We'll see how the defense is, but eight and four, I could see maybe nine and three. But coming into this season, you would hear people go from eight and four to nine and three, and then nine and three to ten and two. And who says they couldn't? Maybe you know Georgia's a little down from last year. You know, you you see that tipping point when people get close to the season here, and that ceiling gets raised more and more and more. I do think it's a more mature fan base in that it's more reasonable. But if you get a hundred thousand people together <laughs> and and Lane Kiffin's in the building, <laughs> that's right. that's right. If you get a hundred thousand people together and you beat Florida for the second time in eighteen years, Oof. and you already beat Pitt, and you thought yep. Pitt wasn't very good, but now that you beat them, you say, "Hey, you beat the defending ACC champion." <laughs> you know, you see things differently. Yeah. And it, you know, your perception you, can change pretty quick. And I, I, I you know, Alabama. You, you are the alcoholic sitting at the bar holding the drink that's been clean for ten years, just looking at the whiskey. That's what they are at that point. That's that's the that's the best way to put it. Right there. Mass delusion is a powerful drug. Yeah, yeah. It so, is. Speaking of delusion, um, if you wrote an article, I, I'm honestly curious about this. If you wrote an article with featuring Pat Forty. Dan Wolken, and maybe a cup. I don't know who else you could put in that article that would be on the Mount Rushmore of people. I I, I honestly think you could break your your company's website if if there was a, an article featuring a couple of different voices that Tennessee fans have just dug in their heels and will never forgive. And some of the reason that those guys do what they do to Tennessee is because of what Tennessee does back to them. And so I'm just. I'm just maybe 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 an oral history of the uh, of the uh, coaching search, like the Mount Rushmore of hatred. Who's on that? Who's on those four with Wolken and Forty that the fans would just absolutely lose their mind? Uh, and I like to, I, listen. I'm I Pat Forty is a I know Pat Forty. I think he's a perfectly wonderful reporter. So yeah, uh, uh, you didn't say you know <laughs> you know Wolken. <laughs> I. I I think Dan Wolken. I don't. Yeah, I think Dan Wolken is I weird. Think Dan Wolken is a reporter. He is a reporter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I'm trying to think who the third would be there. Um, who did Clay go after this week? I haven't looked at. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
that's a joke, <laughs> folks. I like that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who the third would be. I mean, for part of the fan base, it's actually locally. It is, it is John Adams. There's a deep, deep hatred for John, but then a, a love for John in other ways. So he he wouldn't be to that extent with uh, with most of the fan base. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I'll go back to in my household. There's some reporters that I will mention out loud. Oh, I hate that guy. Well, honey, I know that guy. You should you should meet that guy. He I have his a, number right here. Would you he like has to a, talk he has, to him? He has a wife and kids. He's perfectly yeah. normal. <laughs> you would probably like his wife and kids too. We should right. get together. <laughs> no, I'm not that. Not that guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know, but I mean it, you. I mean, I, I was warned a couple times in maybe the first month that you don't want to get on that list over just some random story that right. I wrote. Or you were just were warned afraid. by people at the paper. Or you were warned by your wife. Uh, maybe a little bit the wife, but mostly <laughs> mostly the mostly the fan base. Uh, um, I mean, uh, you know, nobody holds a grudge. Me. Nobody holds a grudge like them. And I, honestly, I don't, I I'm sure that happens in other fan bases, but I just haven't, maybe we're just closer to Tennessee because we're I mean, here. But... What Ubin wrote, he wrote like what one column that yeah. took on the UT fan base. And I mean, I've gotten emails that have said, see what we did to him. It'll happen to you or something like that. And it's just, you know, it's just a random email or whatever. Um, no, that's the one after that's the one where like the reaction never matches the out, like the outrage never matches the, the, the right. incident and, and that, that you guys keep doing this or whatever. And I thought that right. was a pretty good column by oven actually. Yeah. I mean, the thing is too, I'll go back to discernment. It's, um, people are, people judge coverage based on this story, but not the other 10 stories that they would maybe approve of. And that's, uh, you know, and I guess that's a lot of just the the ecosystem we report in because you're not getting a newspaper every day that you can look at, and make a judgment this this day, and then 24 hours make a judgment about the the next one. It's just all coming at you. And uh, you know, I always say this. I used to say it in a little bit of a negative negative light. Now, in the household that I'm in, I say it in a neutral light. Is that <laughs> <laughs> is that um, fans fans will see the negative a hundred times more than they'll see the positive. I mean, I've, I've got a theory on this about the range of how you, of how fans see coverage is that, and we, I mean, we do this politically, we do this in terms of religion. We certainly do it in terms of sports is that if, if, if I write 10 stories and a fan judges uh, five of those as positive, or I'm sorry, if, if I write it and let's say five of them are quote unquote positive stories and five of them are quote unquote negative stories, um, the fan sees those positive stories not as positive. They're not on the far end of the positive of, of the poll. They're right in the middle because the reality, they're just right. They're not positive. They're just correct. And <laughs> so then there's the five negative stories. Well, those are negative. So you wrote five correct stories and you wrote five <laughs> negative stories where the journalist looks at it and said, well, no, I'm balanced because I did both. Yeah. Yeah, binary is a good way to the, look at the, the UT this, fan base. The spectrum just ends in the middle. It doesn't go anywhere. Like that's the end of the spectrum is right, just right in the middle. Uh, I there is actually sign. It's interesting you say that, Adam, because there's scientific evidence about the brain, and 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 I'll use this in a sports analogy that you are more engaged. There's more brain activity watching your bitter rival lose than watching your favorite team win. There's actual evidence of this. Like if Tennessee fans are watching Alabama choke. And I don't know, maybe it's Florida. I, I mean, I actually might be curious who you think right now, under the age of 40, which Tennessee rival do they hate the most? But like 
watching watching Florida lose might actually create more brain activity and engagement and excitement in, in a all in the band. pleasure centers of your then, brain right then actually watching your team win and that is there's some science behind that yeah i mean there's human nature of of that there's also human nature of uh being attacked um you know the um you know i mean if you tell your wife she's beautiful nine times and then one time you kind of tilt your head and say eh, i don't like those shoes the other nine did Don't not do that. matter. Adam, you got to learn this. That's not the right color. <laughs> oh, mm, that's no, the right. I've, that's the right for for the dress. I've tried that. I've tried that one, and it usually comes off. Oh, the right color for me is that. Why is it not the right color for me? <laughs> but you, still, you remember the negative, right? The lawyer would tell you not to answer those questions. Still, still better than that. Dress doesn't fit. That's it's still better than that. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, that's how we are. We we. We remember the negative. Uh, we don't engage with the positive because the positive yep. is just correct. That's that's how things should be. Um, I mean, I, I I just think that's human nature, and that's a, that's a whole lot of what. Uh, uh, of I mean, we trust coverage in a certain way, in the way that we want it. Um, I, I did. Uh, there was a study. Um, Northwestern did a media study that involved. Uh, members of the Tennessean back three or four years ago, and I was brought in the study. It was a it was a media perception study where they uh, were getting different voices to read the same news copy for like radio or podcasts or whatever, and to see if people in different regions of the country would trust the news more if it was read in different accents. And I, and I was the Southern accent. Not that you're being typecast. Of course you are. <laughs> Me and uh, Emily West. Uh, Emily was one of them. The, the funny thing about that is uh, I was already signed up. So like my editor or editors were like, oh, well, I know the four people here that should that has that voice. So the Northwestern professor or whatever came into the Tennessee and re recorded us reading news copy. And from what I remember, she said she went up to the Northeast, got like a Boston accent and she got Midwestern or whatever. And uh, uh, this professor did not know that I was already put on the list to be one of her subjects to read this news copy. And I came into the office and I just saw like two or three people walking out of her podcast studio. I said, hey, hey, uh, hey, how y'all doing? And she said, I want him. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, you already got him. So, uh, well, do you, do you have I, any what were the results? Like, was is it somebody from the Northeast? Trust the North? Is it like minded trusts what they trust or is it about a subject matter? Like, what's the do you have any idea how it turned out? Uh, I, I don't know how, I think she had preliminary stuff that like other regions of the country, they were more trusting in their, in, in the accent that was, that was with their region, right? This right. is somebody from here. So I trust it. Right. Um, I think from what I remember, I think the secondary part of that was one to Southerners hear Southern voice and believe it more, but then two do other regions of the country hear Southern voice and automatically not trust it or I think, why is this guy on the air? Um, I, I I do remember during it, um, I would read the same. It was just standard news copy of, of something. I don't know. It may have been like national news or something. And I would read it and she would say, can you go a little more rural? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And yeah. Can, and can you like, put more Murfreesboro in it, Adam? <laughs> well, well and, and so I was reading it and I was like, uh, you know, it'd be like a, 
uh, President Biden vetoed the so-and-so bill today. And I would read it and she'd say, a little more? Can you do a little more? I said, and I remember saying to her, I said, I can go full swap shop on you if you if you want me to. <laughs> and she and then I had to explain to her what swap shop. <laughs> and then she said, yeah, do that. And I said, President Biden, we had this bill today. He vetoed it. He said, mm-mm. <laughs> so somewhere and somewhere so um, good. around northwestern uh that's uh that's being bounced around I, I wouldn't trust that either though the way that i read it the last time adam thank you so much man and, and obviously on a friday morning here celebrating a major tennessee victory over ball state on thursday night in the newly renovated neyland stadium uh thank you so much man enjoy the season it's going to be a fun ride up there uh, and I think you're one of the best in the business. So thank you for giving us so much of your time here during a, a game week. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you, man. Everybody go follow him. Go read him. Uh, Tennessee fans are better off having you on the beat. Uh, there's no question about it. So thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks. Good to be on. That was Adam Sparks of the Knoxville News Sentinel, which I have not mentioned yet on the show that he works for the Knoxville News Sentinel uh, in the USA Today Network. And a lot of insight there, and I, I, this is sort of more of a Tennessee volunteer college football commentary than a media commentary, but hearing him explain, these are all things I think we knew about the alignment in Knoxville for the first time in 20 years, but having Dondi Plowman, Danny White, Josh Heupel all aligned in how they do things and who they are and their own sort of like talents and abilities and self-belief and authenticity. Uh, you may disagree with Danny White's behavior from time to time or or whatever, but it has led to a calmer atmosphere going into Tennessee football than I can ever remember. And I think that is a very good thing for the, for big orange, big orange nation. Uh, I didn't want to bring this up while Adam was on. Cause I thought it would be a little impolite. Uh, but I, I do think it is interesting that in filling what is arguably one of the key sports beats in, in, in the state, that they hired Adam who has a ton of experience uh, for it. Uh, I mean, that is probably, that's probably them, you know, outside of maybe, maybe Titans football, although maybe not. Um, I, I, if you were measuring page views, I would imagine that, you know, his UT coverage has probably as much as any, as any other sports writer in the state uh, because of where it sits. Uh that's what happens when you, I mean, it's good that you hire a veteran into those positions. I mean, Gannett just laid off 400 people uh, from their company a couple of weeks ago. They ate another 400 open positions. So that's 800 positions around the company uh, that have been cut out of things like local news and local sports. Uh, the big metros, they, they largely, uh, largely went untouched, although not in those open positions because like, their former editor's position, Maria DeVarain, that position is now gone. They had hired her replacement, um, and but did, did not give them the position back to, to fill with it. Uh, they have hired younger and younger, uh, and, yeah. and in these in these big beat writing positions around the company, and it shows sometimes. It absolutely shows, uh, and I think one of the reasons why the 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 key beat at a, at the Knoxville um, New Sentinel 
the reason why they have continued to have success is because they hired a veteran in there who knew what he was doing and could could give them a, a superior level of coverage. It, no, I to- totally agree. Now, I don't I don't I think Ben Arthur does an excellent job covering the Titans for the Tennessee. And I have I'll, in the interest of transparency, I have no idea what their traffic numbers are. But here's I do have some insight into the number of people that have written for the athletic writing for the Titans, they don't get any traffic. The athletic gets no traffic on Titan stories for whatever reason. Uh, it just doesn't happen. And I, yep. this, this is not about Re- Joe Rexroad, for example. I'm not even, it's not about him because he still is technically doing some of that stuff, but there's been a lot of other names that are veteran reporters that are writing about the Titans that came kind of in and off the beat. You can do the math on this. And I know for a fact that those stories were not getting read. Now it's fascinating because Adam talked about this, between the different mediums in that the, the, the Titans still dominate television viewership numbers by large margins and radio ratings in the city of Nashville. But I don't think it's as passionate of, of a, like an in-depth reading of all the, the copy and the stories and the long form and the digestion of the content. I don't think it's even close to what Tennessee people do t- volunteers people in Knoxville because there is like while we have lots of radio shows in Nashville that go morning, noon, and night Titans, there's always lots of other stuff mixed in. That is not the way it works in Knoxville. It is, as he said, it is 12 straight hours of Tennessee Volunteers football. So I'm willing to bet you they command and more of that market. And that's what the program that's been in the shitter for a decade. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if they are truly, as we were talking about uh earlier here, an eight and four, nine and three you know, delusional 10 and two, uh, kind of team, then all of a sudden, I mean, you're going to bring back even just sort of the, the ambient fan there as well. I mean, that's, that's a, the sleeper has awakened kind of, kind of moment. Don't take a drink, dude. Don't take the drink. Just leave it on the bar. You can oh, look no, at no, it. No, no, no. This, these are not predictions. I, these yeah, are, just, just these please. are absolutely 100% not predictions. Please just leave the drink down. It's like you're watching that TV show where the alcoholic is reaching his point because he's so stressed and he's probably some lawyer or a cop and he's been clean for nine years and he's sitting at the bar staring at the whiskey and it's the it's the tipping point of the show. And you're like, please don't take the drink, man. You can do it. You can do it. That's what I'm hoping Tennessee fans can do. Uh, when they when they get out when they beat Florida in week three and they, they're three and oh and people are losing their minds so uh they're gonna, there you, there you they're, they're, they're gonna be losing their minds when they beat Ball State I mean come on well that's fine but that's okay it's it pits honestly do if they actually do start three and oh that's two swing games they will have already won to Adam's point uh so I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with that defense it'll be fun to watch uh and if you'd like more SEC coverage make sure you check out the Fringe Element podcast with myself and Aaron Dugan we got some new picks against the spread content for you that come out on that fringe element podcast every single friday and then on the youtube page as well so go check that out that was not my recommendation uh however on the show thank you to adam sparks for being so generous with his time we, we love him man um all right let me do a quick recommendation for you here okay uh th- we caught into this show recently and it's like this the eighth season of a show which is very weird to to kind of come into a show in the eighth season but it this is the name of the show is called alone i'm sure people know all about it it's been around a long time it's on the history channel People have watched it. We found it on on Netflix. Is this what you were tweeting about last night? Kind of. So we finished up on Wednesday night. I was watching the soccer match, but then we finished up the last episode. And so the the premise of the show is that 10 individuals go off into the wild, generally someplace incredibly harsh. You get 10 items to bring with you, and it's just you by yourself with your brain and your thoughts and your ingenuity. 
Uh, it is awesome. I love everything about it. My wife is all in. We love, we, we started at season eight. We're going to go back to season one and watch the whole thing. I have one complaint because it's spectacular. Like everyone is their own videographer and the camera turns into like Wilson from like, uh, uh, like Castaway <laughs> because you, you, you see these personalities start to go a little wonky when you, especially when you have no food and you're malnourished and your brain starts acting crazy. And, and I am uh, like, I'm utterly fascinated by how capable people are of doing all this stuff. It's extraordinary, but they get to the end and there's two people left in the final episode. And I'm not going to give anything away here, but they don't tell you, they don't show you any human reaction to when you, to any of the contestants learning where they finished that th this is my one complaint about the show. It's a great show. You should go watch it. But the, the emotional scene where they show the winner is just extraordinary. Like, you're 75 days out away from your wife and kids and, you know, away from your husband and kids. And like, you're just, you're, you're you've lost 36% of your body weight and your brain is going and the emotional, like we were crying. It was so good, but you don't show the other guys and men and women who finished second or third when they find out you were second. Like, I want to, I want to know what the person's reaction is when they learn that they were down to the sec because they don't know. Nobody knows where they're at in the rankings and in the standings and how many people are left. And I don't know. I think that's a valid complaint by me. I feel like. Do, so what do you get for second? Or, or what? $500,000 if you win. And second place gets nothing. And Wait, nothing. I, I want to, I believe so. Maybe I'm wrong. If somebody wants do to they get scale me, at least for those 75 days, <laughs> I hope. But again, like this one guy, does he's the, the guy who finished I don't, now I don't, I don't want to give away details because there's such a great backstory to who he is and why he's doing it that we were like rooting for this other guy and i wanted to find out i want to see his human reaction when they when he finds out he was second because he has no clue do, do they not do a recap show they do like fireside chats that are like five to eight minutes with each contestant when they're when they come back after they've been like they've gone to the hospital and they've been nourished and they've got food and they've taken showers and you know, they're kind of back to being themselves again before they go back to real life. And at the beginning, they show all of those contestants and they know where they are. Like, clearly, you can tell the first guy who taps out after six days, like, knows that he was the first one done. But the guy who finishes second, I, the girl guy finishes second or third. I, I need to see that human reaction and, and moment to where, oh, my God, I was that close. I, I could have won this if I just stuck it out for a couple more days or whatever. That That's what I wanted to see. And I can't believe they don't show you that. Even in the fireside chat when they talk to the the people, I got this is on like, Netflix. Uh, it, season eight's on Netflix. I don't know where the other. It's all from History Channel. It is a fantastic show. They did it in the Arctic Circle, Patagonia, Mongolia, lots of it in Canada. This last one was in Bear Country out in British Columbia. It is awesome. It is an awesome show. But show me the show me the loser when they find out they lost. I want to know. So fascinating. That's, all, that's my question. That's my absolutely concern. fascinating. Uh, I got so, that off my chest. So the thing, so the thing I wanted to recommend um, is a is a podcast series that is it's sprawling uh, that I've started to kind of kind of dip into, and it is absolutely fantastic. So there's a music writer named Rob Harvilla. Uh, been around for a minute. Uh, is doing a a a podcast series. I believe it's a Ringer podcast uh, called Sixty Songs That Explain the '90s. <laughs> and it is and it is deep dives on all on like every artist from the 90s um and, and I, I of the first three or four that i've listened to uh 
and, and it's very eclectic. Uh, the first three or four I've listened to uh, are just really, really great. Like um, the f- uh, the first one I listened to was uh, was on Outcasts Rosa Parks. Oh my god! And and so he gives like the entire kind of backstory on Outcast, and I'm an Outcast fan. And so, and, so is and, each episode one song? One song, but oh. but it's an excuse to talk about the artist and their career right, and all right. this other stuff. Hush that fuss. Come on. Exactly. And, uh, but they talk about kind of where the, you know, where the origins of this, of their sound were. And, and they, he, he goes deep into kind of, uh, Atlanta and sort of dirty South respect versus, versus East and West coast, uh, yeah. hip hop. It's, it's fantastic. There's a, there's a bit in there where he, he goes through and he's talking about all of the if, you, if you're into hip hop at all, you know, about Source Magazine. Uh, it's kind of like the Rolling Stone of hip hop. Uh, bigger than that, actually. Uh, <laughs> and he goes into all the four and a half star reviews in Source and like the ones that just weren't five star. And, and he talks about like this outcast record early in their career. That's a four and a half star and like why it wasn't a five. and, and it, it's a fascinating discussion, but I mean, the, the list of songs that he, has that he, he put out, with, has he put out the 60 songs already? Like, can you already see the list? He, coming? So he's in the process of doing it. Uh, and so some of the songs that are in there, like he just did, uh, he just did a few weeks ago. Uh, he did the cranberries zombie. Oh, what a great song. Yeah. Uh, he did uh prodigy's Firestarter. Um, he did, um, I, I want, if stupid girl from garbage is not on there, I'm going to be very pissed. <laughs> he did beastie boys, uh, sabotage. Yeah. Uh, he did. Oh, he, he goes into the whole backstory of, um, bittersweet symphony, uh, the verve, uh, of, of the verve and, and yeah, kind of this... getting, getting, getting hammered by the stones, uh, legally. And you can, you can tell, uh, Steve and I's ages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the fact that we can do all this off the top of our head. <laughs> uh but is he eagle eye Cher- is safe tonight by eagle eye cherry in there uh I, I i he god i hope not uh but i mean it's a podcast that can go from like a deep dive on tupac to a deep dive on tom petty yeah, uh, yeah. and it is i mean harvilla is really really good and then every single uh every single pod he brings in somebody uh, outside the, uh, you know outside of just like his opinion to talk about uh, to talk about the artists that, that they're discussing. Again, if you want to start with either uh, Dr. Dre's "Nothing But a, Nothing oh, But a G" thing or okay. uh, Outcast Rosa Parks, those are absolutely fantastic. But I, they also do. I mean, it's kind of Gin Blossoms one that talks about kind of yeah. like absolutely tragic. Uh, the the guy who wrote most of their hits was Se- semi charmed kind of life's got to be in there. Smells like Team Spirit, maybe like Longview from Dookie or something like that's got to be in there. There's got to be like I don't really care about this one, but I'm sure Crash is on there. You know, like that. That's got to be like, one. But like the Spice Girls wannabe is in there. How about, uh, how, how uh, Radioheads Radioheads Creep is in there. No, um, uh, no doubt it's got to be on there, right? Spiderwebs, Spiderwebs. Uh, Come you on. Know, you know he's still doing it. The the sixty are still coming out. Um, and the, the, he's in like season two or season three of this. Uh, so I, I assume that there are some things that he's building up to. Please, just uh, no kid, just no kid rock or lip biscuit, please. That's all no. I hope. Although, no. if you want to do some like commentary about the 
gendered response, angry gendered response to like early Nirvana music. Go watch the 99 Woodstock documentary. Oh, my God. And, and you'll learn a lot about how I had no idea, even in, even as a kid that age, listening to all that music, that, that that's what was happening was like this weird, angry, like response to like basically Kurt Cobain gender bending in the early 90s. And like, yeah. it's just it like Atlantis Moore's Mike. So it's it's funny because I'm turning my kids onto a lot of 90s stuff right now. And my daughters at five and four absolutely are obsessed with the Lannis Morissette's uh, Jagged Little Pill record. Like they're just obsessed with it. Wow. And and I'm so proud. I'm like, this is great. Like they love Hand in My Pocket and You Ought to Know and Ironic. Like they're into all that stuff. And so it's funny. Again, Lannis and Jewel, but those two in particular kind of represented this like, hey, like, hey, girls can rock and roll, too. You know, <laughs> like it was this whole thing. And so, so, so here's a so here's a here's a three episode run here that that will absolutely delight you. So uh, from June 2nd of last year, uh, they dropped, or I should say he dropped, uh, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, you know, the cover of the Prince song. And then he did, uh, the headline on it is, In Praise of the Rock and Roll Asshole and semi turn Kind of Life. There we go. There and, we go. Then, and then, uh, the Monica and Brandy song, the, the boy is mine. That was the theme song of my senior prom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Franklin High class of 2000. What's up, guys? What's up? Or maybe it was our High junior. School. Maybe it was our junior. What are you prom. doing? Maybe it was our junior prom. I don't know. The boy uh, is mine. <laughs> but but that gives you just a, just a good example of sort of the eclecticism of it. Uh, yeah. It's you know it, it's hard to label by genre. Anyway, I'm absolutely. I'm absolutely in loving kind of going through oh, great, these great. and they range from like 30 minutes to an hour. So I, if you got a road trip, you know, pile, pile a few of them up. Can't, can't wait. I can put on uh criminal right now. And my oldest daughter will be like, this is Fiona Apple dad. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, God bless you child. I've, I've trained, I've brainwashed parenting, you. parenting of the year. award. I, I have brainwashed you well. And now this has just turned into me bragging about my daughters. Just don't let her watch the video wonderful no god no <laughs> no music videos from the 90s in fact like there's just none there's none of them uh all right that that about does it for us go to jaspers everybody use them to cater your tailgate party your watch party uh, business event you know whatever you need jaspers has got you covered if you want to go over there and watch games with steve cavendish and myself this weekend apparently we'll be over there this weekend so go check them out go to jaspers of course everybody for adam sparks thank you for joining us and giving us so much of his time for steve cavendish you can follow him on twitter at s cavendish go to the nashvillebanner.com and sign up as well check out all the other great shows from the 440 sports network uh and the youtube page as well my name is braden gall get to me on twitter at braden gall thanks for hanging out have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.